as some archbishops, bishops, and heads of the mainline denominations in Nigeria prayed together during the clergy retreat, the Lord moved the hearts of these apex leaders to jointly expose their serving clergy to a refresher conference where they can be engaged for personal and congregational revival. This gave birth to Cleric, the Clergy Refresher Conference, and Peace House was mandated to coordinate it. This first Cleric, held at the Bethany Resort, Kilometer 21, Yandev, Boko, Aliede Road, at the outskirts of Boko, Benue State, Nigeria, between the 31st January and the 7th February 2005, with the theme, The Effective Minister. For further inquiry or counsel, please contact Living Seed Media, P.O. Box 971, Boko, Benue State, Nigeria. Telephone numbers 044-470-824, 044-470-849. Email peacehouseatscarnet.com or visit our website at www.livingseed.org. May the Lord encounter your heart as his servant brings forth the word of life. But we do know that those explanations, they still will not answer the impotence of our lives and of our ministry. Which impotence emanates not because we don't speak well, but because of the life we carry. Holy Spirit, we are asking. We are pleading actually for evacuation of that wrong life. We are asking, Father, that you will bring it to his terminating point from where we can experience a resurrection life that will be able to pursue what you have called us to do. Thank you, Father. So we are asking for revelation. We are asking for the opening of our eyes. We are asking, Lord, for deep understanding that brings liberation. Please do this for us as we go on now. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. I want us to draw a conclusion before we begin today. Actually today I wanted us to look at what is God's provision? What is God's way out of the life of the flesh? Of the old life? Is there any solution? Is there any way out? And if there is a way out, how do we get at it? And this aspect, this point we have reached, as far as uh, I'm concerned, it takes us to really pray. We don't want just a knowledge. And we being pastors, it's not as if what God will be saying to us is particularly strange or something that we've not known. But the issues that God needs to do that it must go beyond just a knowledge. It must become an impartation. And this, no man can do it for us except the Lord will help us. Now, while we were 
almost concluding yesterday, we came to reading Galatians 5. Do you remember? And we came to the point where we saw and you know the conclusion in Galatians 5 when we have read verse 19, verse 20 up to verse 21 we noted that it says that the list we considered yesterday actually is just a list it's not comprehensive isn't it? we saw that at the end of it it said and such things like this Actually, if you read it from Philip's Modern English, the way Philip's Modern English introduced um, Galatians 5, it says, say the activities of the lower, lower nature are obvious. Here is a list. That's how Philip's Modern English put it. He said, here is a list. And what bothers me was the conclusion, the conclusion uh, all of the scriptures drew when we came into verse 21. Look at how it was concluded. He said, and I, let me read from Philip's Northern English. I just read and I'll come to the end of that. Said so the activities of the lower nature are obvious. Here is a list. Sexual immorality, impurity of mind, sensuality, worship of false gods, witchcraft, hatred, strife, jealousy, bad temper, rivalry, factions, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. I solemnly assure you, as I did before, that those who indulge in such things will never inherit God's kingdom. Now, you see, when I come into scriptures and he speaks so strongly, say, I warn you, I solemnly tell you as I've done before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, it raises question for me. If the Bible is true, and which I know it is, if the Bible is reliable, which I know it is, and if God meant his word, which I know he does, we need to be asking questions. If this is real, as the word of God is putting it, it meant then that some of the issues that we will gloss over and say, no, it doesn't matter, is capable, is capable of denying a man his own place in the kingdom of God. Am I right? It meant then that what you will look at casually and say, well, it's just a, it's just a mistake. It might be a very critical matter that we jeopardize all your own efforts in the work of God. Now, I want to begin this morning to look at, is there a provision for our deliverance? What is God doing about releasing us 
from the dominion and the tyranny of the flesh. That's the kind of thing we are going to be studying particularly. Now, but yesterday we began to introduce, and maybe I should start by looking at this, God's, God's provision eh, for our deliverance from the flesh. If there is a provision, we want to start looking at it. Now, we will try to look at John, uh, John chapter 3. Uh, we've been speaking about that, but I think we should look at John 3 a bit. But I will be asking us to search scriptures, uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, to see what is God's provision. But before we come back to John, I think I, want, I would like us to look at uh, two or three kinds of provisions that were made, which we will look at. We're going to look at the blood provision. The blood, the provision of the blood. That I'd like us to look at that first. Now, I'd like you to remember that when when you look at the Old Testament from the book of Genesis all through as soon as the calamity that took place in the Garden of Eden took place let us note and I want you to please be very attentive here Though the devil did something that spoiled the purpose of God, God's commitment to man that he has made remained undaunted. Hallelujah. God immediately started looking at how to create redemption for man. Right from the beginning. There are a few things we think about that we need to explain a little more. As soon as it happened in Genesis 3 and we saw a new lifestyle, and let's continue to know that the life of the flesh cannot in any way do what? Please God. It cannot serve God. In fact, anything that the flesh touches in the purpose of God, it contaminates it. Are you hearing me? Anything that comes from the natural, the flesh, it cannot please God. It's not possible for it to please God. Hallelujah. So we noted that right in Genesis 3, why the man was trying to sow ordinary leaves to cover himself, we saw that God wanted to cover the man. Eh? And we saw how God slaughtered an animal and made aprons from skin for this man. But I tell you that that is still not the redemption. 
that was not yet the redemption. Towards the end of chapter 3 of Genesis, if you can look at Genesis chapter 3, let's quickly look at that before we go on. In Genesis 3, towards the end of that passage, God took a decision. Let's see the decision God took. That decision, I again want to tell you, it's redemptive. It's a redemptive decision. Um, in verse 22, verse 22, Genesis 3:22, Are you there already? Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Why did God do that? God does not want to immortalize the life of the flesh. Eh? I want you to listen please. From that chapter I saw God saying and this will not live forever. Hallelujah. From that passage I could see God saying, though the flesh took over, it will not live forever. And from that little passage, it, it's very clear to me that there is an end to Mr. Flesh. There is an end that God will want each one of us to experience to the works of the flesh in our own lives. Now, I hope you have understood that our first priority now is not how we are going to preach this to our church members yet. I hope you know. What's our priority now? Eh? How will God bring this matter to an end in our own lives? We did say we don't want suppression. Do you remember that we say we don't just want suppression? We don't want uh, that rule and regulation and that legalistic way of suppressing Mr. Flesh. Because even though you suppress it for three years, for five years, the day he will wake up, he will still strike and spoil all that you have done for years. Am I correct? Eh? Imagine a man of God that has been keeping He's lost. <clears throat> He's been keeping lost and saying, No, you won't manifest here. No, you won't manifest here. You won't spoil my ministry. You won't spoil my ministry here. And he does that for five years. And within those five years, he seemed to be enjoying liberty. The day the lost rises inside him, what happens to all the five years of effort he has made is finished finished completely so what we are looking for is 
God what's the way out. And I want to say that if there is no way out, then our gospel itself is weak. Hallelujah. If God is pointing at things that will take a man to hell, and then there is no way of delivering him, then I will be wondering, why is God speaking about it? And maybe some of us, our first approach is to say, well, nobody can be free from this thing self. And so you settle into it. I want to say that somebody can be free. God has made provision for you and for me to experience total deliverance. Now, but when I talk about total deliverance, it is because God made a provision for it. Now, he made a provision that we need to understand and study together this morning. My prayer is that God will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. So, right in Genesis, God already instituted that there is going to be a way out. When God drove the man out of the Garden of Eden and said, so that in his common sense now, he does not go to take the tree of life and now immortalize himself in that fallen state forever. I saw God saying, I have not given up on man. I have a plan for him. I'm still going to use him in my ministry on earth. Praise the Lord. So, but from that chapter 3, right on and on and on as we studied, you will find that the imagination of Mr. Flesh is continually what? Evil. All effort to help him. No way. He is untamable. The flesh is actually untamable. If you understand the way the flesh operates, even from your own experience, did you discover that so many things you do, many of it you don't want to do it. Am I correct? Now, there is none of us that didn't know that anger is not good. You ever know that anger is not good and that the anger of a man does not work out the righteousness of God. And several times, I notice that you are saying to yourself, no, no, I don't want to be angry. But when Mr. Flesh wants to show himself in that manner, what happens? You just find that even when you kept quiet and you want to lie down, say, I just don't want to talk. Do you know that flesh will not let you sleep? Have you noticed that? Do you know that something will be speaking inside? And it will be saying, but if you keep quiet here, if you don't talk here, when will you talk again? And what impression do you think people will have about you? Sometimes, it is, it is your wife that did something and you say, no, I'm not going to be annoyed again. But you see, as she's entering the room and coming out, that thing is boiling inside, boiling inside, boiling inside. 
she only needs to say something that uh, we we touch you a bit then you will see that man he will jump up and say well i have been keeping quiet and it is not that i don't know what to say it's just that i want things to work out here but now the way you are taking things for granted and taking me for a ride i want to show you my true color Before you know it, you will find that the whole of your body is beginning now to do what? To shake. Even if she says sorry, say sorry for yourself. Sorry for yourself. I'm not foolish. I met a pastor. Who told me something that I have never forgotten? Do you know what he said? He said, you know, he and his wife, they fought. The woman was bleeding. And ran to my office. I said, won't you talk to your friend, Reverend so-and-so? I said, don't worry. I'm going to handle the matter. It's my friend. So, before the woman left my office, she just barely left. I said, go back home. Go and submit to him. I'm coming. The man ran and met me in the office. I said, I said, yes, sir. I said, I respect you. But in this matter, I'm not going to listen to you. Do you know what he said? He said, this woman is thinking that because I'm a pastor, I cannot do anything. And I'm going to show her that even though I'm a pastor, I'm a man. I'm going to show her that I can do something. You know, as he was talking, I saw real rage. In his face, in his whole heart. He said, I'm, She thought that I can't beat her because I'm a pastor. Every time she, 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 she would do something, and because uh, the, she knows that because I'm a pastor, I want to be, behave myself so that I can go and preach. If the ministry will spoil, let it spoil. Now, this became a matter to me. I tried to cool him down. I said, please. I said, so what do you want to do? He said, I will do something. I'm going to prove to her. Do you know, I begged this man from 6 p.m. to 12 midnight. He refused. The following day, he checked out his wife. He went and picked another woman and married. I asked him, I said, Do you know what you are doing so? He said, Yes. I don't want to be oppressed any further. I want to be myself. Who is speaking there? That's old man. That's that man. <laughs> 
is there. You know, as he began to speak, as the flesh began to manifest, I was asking him, do you know the consequences of what you are doing? He said, I know. If it will spoil, let it spoil. And I watched how this man's ministry finished. Very powerful preacher. But the flesh finished it. Now friends, what I'm saying to you is that flesh is not your friend. He may allow you to serve God for some time. But let me inform you. He will, he will squeeze you into waste paper basket. Except God uproot it for your life. Unless victory comes from the, from the throne of grace. What you are doing, he will still ruin it. He will ruin it. Moses was a great man. Was he a great man? He did great works for God. But there was that manifestation of rage that was in his life. I hope you remember that sincerely speaking nobody ever traced for him as to help him out of it. The first manifestation of that rage was when he killed an Egyptian. But you know, sometimes Mr. Flesh is walking and it's, it's walking as if it's walking for God's work. But I'm telling you, even if you employ the method and the means of Mr. Flesh to do something for God, even if it works for a while, I want you to know, Mr. Flesh that you have employed and it looks profitable for something that God is asking you to do now, it will turn around. Not only finish you, it will squeeze all that you have done and throw it into the waste paper basket. Please note this. It is not every time that the flesh, please, we will be talking about that later on, that the flesh doesn't do something good. Flesh sometimes does something good. But once it is the flesh that does it, no matter how good it appears, God hates it. Do you know that this man, when he slaughtered the Egyptian, ordinarily you thought, yes, he was zealous for God. But you know he was acting out of something else. I hope you know he was acting out of a different anger. Am I right? <laughs> now, the following day, you want to kill me? Like you killed Egyptian yesterday. The Bible said he knew that the thing was now known. He ran away. For 40 years, in the house of Jethro, many things happened in his life which we thank God for. But there was that matter that has not been dealt with. The day he came down from the mount, do you remember? After spending 40 days and 40 nights fasting, and he was coming back. 
with the tables that God himself wrote and gave him. And as he came down and saw what the people were doing, the Bible says his anger rose and burnt. That's what the Bible said. And then do you know what he did? Out of anger, all the tables he collected after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and of praying, of doing nothing else, what did he do immediately? He smashed them. Now my question was, how does smashing the tables of stone, how does he deal with the problem in the life of the people? Eh? But do you know that if he was only patient to say, I have just returned and this is what the Lord said. And he began to read and said, this is what God himself wrote with his finger. Do you know that the first statement in the Ten Commandments was dealing with the problem there? But anger will not allow him to employ God's means of dealing with the people's problem. He broke it. Now I saw him when he broke it. He grinded it into powder. He poured it into water. I said, all of you come and drink. Now, how does people drinking all of that, how does it change their lives? How does it change their lives? Now, something was manifesting in Moses, but there was nobody who could deal with it. When he called Aaron, and this is very important, he said, Aaron, what have you done like this? You made these people naked. The way Aaron answered him, touch me. He said, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. These people, they are difficult to deal with. Now, what touched me was that Aaron was not repenting. Aaron was only pointing at something in the life of Moses. What was that? Moses' anger. You are, Don't be mad at me. Now I noted, listen, you may have great message to preach, but because of that resident Mr. Flesh in your life that shoots up, your message reduces in, in value. It doesn't affect people. The person you broke loose in anger in their presence, when you are preaching next, it doesn't mean much to them. They said, make him just finish. We know him. He's a liar. Is it, pastor? There are certain things, if you, if you step on his toes now, you are in trouble. Be careful. It doesn't touch them. Even if you nurture Mr. Flesh in your life, and you think it doesn't matter. I want to inform you it matters. It's going to destroy what you are doing. You can build something for 12 years. The day Mr. Flesh will show up. He will finish those things in 12 minutes. And you will be struggling how to reconstruct again. Moses lived with this rage. 
Nobody could help him out. The day he was going to miss it completely. Eh? He had said some certain things to God. Again out of anger. I'm begging you that don't let Mr. Flesh escape during this week. Insist and say, oh God, whatever you will do, I don't want to go home the way I came. This is not first what to go and preach. It's what to go and be. Are you getting me? What to go and be is what we are crying about for. Moses, the people had pushed him, provoked him. They provoked him. Are you understanding? They provoked him. But that's a good word. Provoke. You see, the word provoke, it's, it's a powerful word. And in my mind, I say, eh, why did they use this word? Sometimes you are just going through. You say, they provoked me. They provoked him. But you can only provoke what is inside a man. You are not hearing me. You can only provoke what is where? Inside a man. It's what is in you that people can provoke. They provoked him quite alright. By the time Moses turned to pray, he said, Oh God, am I the father of all these people that you are telling me to carry them? They are all crying to me here and there. They are weeping all over me. All over me. Where am I going to get meat for all these people? I want to ask you, all that he has got for them over the years, did he get it for them by his strength? But why is he speaking like that? There is something in his life that has not been uprooted. When you don't uproot that Mr. Flesh, it will uproot you. It doesn't respect anybody. It doesn't keep any man as a sacred cow. When Moses responded to God like that, the day I was afraid, he said, do you know what he said? He said, God, if this is how you will deal with me, kill me offhand. And let me not see my wretchedness among these people. He spoke so much and I was afraid that the next answer I had from God that day made me afraid. I said, hey! God said, well, go and bring 70 elders that you know. And I will take from your spirit and put on them so that it will not be you alone doing the work. Hi, I was afraid. Number one, how could Moses undertake to go and bring 70 elders that he knows? Does he know any man? And it was not going to be an increase. Oh. It was going to be a taking away of the grace of God in his life to put on these 70, which means what he himself carried was sufficient in God's plan 
to push the work. But anger says, mm, no, mm, no. And you know how many times you, out of anger, out of anger, you say, why if they say they know how to do it? Let them do it. Let me make, make we see. You now formed a committee. You form committees. You say, hey, let them do it. Maybe they say they know how to do something. And you don't know that something is dealing with your own life. You might think that you are dealing with the people that they provoked you. Now, can I ask you a question today? This morning, have you eaten pounded yam yet? Eh? We've needed eat pounded yam. If somebody brought a long spoon and put it into your mouth, to your throat, and say, you will vomit pandadium here today. No matter how he tries, can he get pandadium out of you? Why? Because pandadium is not in you. People only provoke out of you what is in you. And they say, well, he's that girl that just made me, he just provoked me to, 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 to fall. You are joking. You are joking. What is the truth? The truth is that lust is where? It's in you. It doesn't happen any other way. You don't need to start blaming things outside. Whatever is outside only appears to what is inside of you to bring it out. You see, they provoke Jesus. Did they provoke Jesus? Did they provoke Jesus? They said, if you are the son of God, if you are not a bastard, come down here. Save yourself and save us also. Oh, you are a liar. Is that not a level of provocation? What did Jesus do? The only thing that was provoked out of him was what is in him. What was in him? Love. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. He was provoked. So the question, they provoked me to be angry. He is not the truth. Let me tell you the truth. Those people who provoke you, they have only helped you to know that Mr. Man, Mr. Flesh is still there. Even if they don't help you provoke it today, it will still wake up tomorrow. Are you getting what I'm dealing with now? Now, we are not first of all going to be looking for an atmosphere where there is no provocation. We want to deal with that man inside. When it is no more there, I know because you've not eaten pounded yam. Even if they say, yes, we will get pounded yam out of you today. You will relax. They say, try it. Try it. Even if you bring out the whole of my intestine, you will see that there is no pounded yam here. That's the level of victory we want to go. As a pastor, we can't say that there won't be Jezebels in your church. Are you getting me? 
They have been there all the years. But that you fall into the hand of a Jezebel, I tell you the truth, is because there is something resident in you that that Jezebel only did what? Called forth. Are you with me? Aha. As I'm looking at this man, Mr. Flesh, when Brother Moses said, No! Kill me off hand! I said, This brother has said something today. And God said, It's alright. God said, But is the hand of the Lord now short that you are asking, Where will I get meat for all these people? Go and tell them that from tomorrow they will eat quails in the morning. And they will eat it not for only one day, not for one week, one month, until it comes out of their nostrils. Moses still said, even if the whole heavens became windows, and you bring all the uh, ravens and the beds, it's not possible. Did you see where anger has brought our brother now? You may say, oh, he suddenly fell. Nobody suddenly falls. What becomes the downfall of any man is that man that he has not dealt with in his life. Don't be satisfied with explanation. Plead for evacuation. Very important. Hallelujah. God said, now, take the rod. Go and speak in the presence of the people. When he got there, you know what he said? Oh, ye stiff-necked people. Now, what, what brought abuse? Eh? Do you see unconsciously how sometimes you go on your pulpit? Instead of preaching the good news, you are abusing the people. Because you are boiling, something is boiling in you. Then he forgot out of anger. He struck the thing. He said, shall we bring you water from this rock? Shall we? And he struck. Of course, what touched me is that water came out. The people drank. Their cattle drank. Pregnant women drank. Small children drank. To them, it was a miracle. But that was the end of the ministry of Moses. God said, now that you've done this, it's finished. Unfortunately, he pleaded for others. Nobody pleaded for him. My fear is this. If we don't uproot Mr. Flesh with you here, when the thing will begin to deal with you, you won't have anybody to pray for you. Because church just believes that you know how to handle your problem. Are you knowing? Are you hearing me? Church just knows that you know how to handle all the problems you have. They won't come to pray for you. They won't come to cancel you. Moses finished his own life. It was painful that God took him to the mountain and said, Moses, this is where I had planned for you to be. This is what I had told you I will make you, but now I can't again. The best I can do is to show you the thing from afar off, but you won't get there. Great man, but something robbed him. Thank God that he was very repentant. 
Thank God that he began to plead. Thank God that he said, Lord, so if you will not allow me to get there, because it, it, it has went ill with me, whom do you appoint as the shepherd of your people? Thank God that he did not cling to the office until he perished. Brothers, sisters, the issue we are raising is not first of all what to preach. It's what you must become. And let me tell you, if this thing happens by God's grace, anywhere you go, something will change about our ministry. In fact, they will see, they say, Kai, something has happened to our pastor. That will be clear. And that itself is authority in the ministry. Did you think that David only have an accident with, uh, with Bathsheba? Eh? When you are reading the Bible, you say, Ha, a fair. Do you know that there was something in David that has been there since he was young that nobody helped him to deal with? What is it? That old man that manifests in the issue of lust for women. Anointing is great upon his life. Power was there. He killed Goliath. But as soon as he came to the palace, it was noted that it seems as if he has fallen in love with Saul's daughter. Do you remember? And Saul said, what better way to catch him now? Since now he has fallen in love with my girl. So they called him. The only bright price we want you to pay Go to the Philistines. Give us 100 foreskin of the Philistines. You know what they are talking about? Go and catch Philistines. Give us 100 foreskin. Break through to their, to their private part and cut it and bring. That's the only bright price I want. Now, but lost cannot allow David to query that and say, ah, what is it all about? He rushed. Do you know that if he had died, he would have died like an ordinary chicken. But God was faithful. He came back. Instead of giving him that girl, they gave it to another person. Shouldn't that have stopped him? from falling in love with anybody in that house. But you see, this Mr. Flesh we are talking about, disappointment doesn't change him. Do you understand? You see, some of you are thinking that when something catastrophic happened to you, Mr. Flesh, that it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't manifest again. It's not true. It's not true. That's why you see, somebody may fall into fornication with somebody now, and the person became pregnant, it became a serious disgrace. You will think that that kind of pastor will never do it again. Abby, 
you will think that ah, the way was disgraced. It won't happen again. It's not true. Mr. Flesh may feel remorse for two weeks. After the remorse had finished, the flesh wakes up again and says, let's continue. So you'll find that there will be a pastor that the reason why they drove him away from one particular station is because he tampered with somebody's wife. When he goes to the next station, do you think that he should have been more sober? Am I right? And he should have said, well, this is what I did the other time. My name was spoiled. I won't do it here. But flesh doesn't, is unreasonable. Flesh doesn't behave like that. Flesh says, go on. That one is just a mistake, just a carelessness because they knew. Do something again. That's the flesh. That's the way he behaves. I was watching how David fell into the second trap of another girl in the same house. I was watching how they took away the wife and how he was in the cave. And how Naba, you remember Naba? You remember Naba? Yes. And you remember Abigail? Yes. As soon as Naba died and he heard the message, I was surprised. You know, you, you may say, oh, no, it doesn't matter. I'm checking something. Why was it that the first condolence message David was going to send to Abigail is fetch her to come and become my wife? Now, is David the nest of king to Nabal? Is that what they normally practice in Israel? Why did he do that? At that time, nobody suspects anything. But there's something inside. There was another woman that he had married. Why does he need this one? He said, but Abigail was very useful. We praise God. When he returned to Hebron, the Bible says, and David married more wives. They listed six children that he had in Hebron. And I'm surprised that all the six of these children were from different women. Where did he learn that? His father, we didn't know him to be a polygamist. Where did he learn that? When he moved to Jerusalem, the Bible said he married more wives. When actually, the law already said that when you become the king of your people, you shall not multiply wives. It's written. Moses taught. And when Saul was to be ordained as the king. Samuel repeated it again. Why? That thing is inside. And while he had had these many wives, I didn't know that it was a problem that God himself had been dealing with in his life. Until he fell, he slept with Bathsheba. His eyes was ranging and he saw a woman that is taking her bath privately. Somebody said, why is she bathing outside? I say, you, you've, left, you've left leprosy. You are pursuing a ringworm. You are pursuing ringworm. 
Somebody is on upstairs story building. A woman is bathing in her own compound, showing that she must be a poor woman that couldn't afford bathing in the house. And the whole thing is covered. But because you are on top, you are seeing something. And he kept seeing it. And he, he kept asking, ha, who, who is that woman? Who is that woman? And they told him, they said, this girl is the wife of Uriah, the son of so-and-so, who is like a granddaughter. In fact, Bathsheba is a granddaughter to Ahitophel. But lost in the heart, will not allow David to see why he should not lie with the granddaughter of his very close friend. That's what happens. Mr. Flesh is unreasonable. When he rises to manifest like this, there is no rule. He has no rule. No regulation. It goes anyway. And so he brought this woman. And as he did it, he started telling lies straight ahead. He started covering things up. He, started, he did many things. Now, when Nathan came to speak to him, this was what touched me. Nathan said, Thus says the Lord, I gave you, look at this, I gave you all the concubines and the wives of your master Saul. Which meant then that this thing has been inside this man. And God said, if that were not enough, can you imagine? If that were not enough, I would have given you more. But why did you have to go and take a man's wife, the only wife she has, why the man is fighting for God on the battlefield and you still killed him? Why? Why did you do this? David, you have given an occasion for the enemy to insult me. But now I say, hey, men can be great. But if they don't uproot the flesh, it will finish them. It will reduce their influence. It will reduce their weight. And I hope you know that from that moment, something got lost about the ministry of David. Am I right? Yes, he repented. He cried. God forgave him. God even forgave him by appointing Solomon, the next king. Is that not forgiveness? But you see, the flesh. No wonder Solomon married 300 wives. No, 700 wives, 300 concubines. You say, where did he get it? He learnt that from his own father. Like father, like son. Friends, the issue I'm raising, I raise it like this, is that let's seek a deliberate help from God. Don't say it is not too much now. The flesh that appears little today, it will grow with you. You can have great zeal in everything. But if we leave this man out, it will deal with us.